Good morning again. Really, one person? Good morning. There we go. That's how a conversation works. Well done. All right. Uh, so, where has Sam been for the last, well, last mostly week? And then I was in Miami for a little bit. Um, but I was in Juan Tomas for the, the past week on a missions trip. And uh, missions trips are always, um, always incredible in the sense that you know what to expect, but you also have no clue what to expect. Like, I knew what we were going down there to do, but I had no clue what God was going to do in those times and in those days. And while I was down there, um, while we were down there as a team, God used the time to really remind me of three beautiful truths. Uh, I'm not going to call them lessons. This isn't a lesson that I have to impart to you. I, I don't think anything that we're going to look at today is like some crazy revelation that is going to shatter your minds. These are truths that God has set forth from the beginning that he just reminded me of. And that's a good thing. You know, Paul in one of his letters says, hey, I write to remind you of the things I know you know, because we're tempted to forget stuff and it's easy to forget stuff. And so while I was down in Juan Tomas on uh, the Dominican Republic, God reminded me of three very important truths. And so this morning, I just want to share those reminders with you. I'll also give you a little bit of a glimpse into what the week was like. So before we dive in, please join me in prayer. Lord, Thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you always are, that you do not change. Every good gift is from you in whom there is no variation. Thank you for that passage in scripture. Lord, right now, may it be you speaking and teaching as we continue to worship through looking at your word and, and looking at the truths of your word. May you lead this time. May you be glorified by this time. We need you in all things. We need you as we study scripture. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here was the team. Uh, Good-sized team, what, 24 of us? Uh, 24, mostly medical. A uh, couple other uh, people who did various projects around. And the primary purpose of this trip was a medical clinic. And so we ran a clinic uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And to give you an idea, uh, this ain't your normal clinic. We saw 200, 273 patients on the first day. Uh, the technical term for that is a crazy amount. And, and so it was a very busy medical clinic as we're caring for people uh, in a very real and practical and tangible way. Uh, there were devotions every day. I got the opportunity to teach uh, every day I got the opportunity, which is always humbling and immensely um, just a beautiful experience to preach in a Dominican church twice. Uh, I got to share the gospel with the clinic patients every day. Um, and so really a, a very neat week with a lot of different elements going on. Um, the big news, two people came to Christ, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, I mean, you really think about the cost, the time, everything that was invested, and two people are now in the kingdom of heaven. 
and that's incredible. And so that was absolutely a joy. Um, I admit, about two weeks before we left for the trip, uh, my prayers shifted a little bit. And I really found myself saying, okay, God, why am I going on this trip? Like, it's a medical trip. I have zero medical skill or knowledge whatsoever. Like, what, why am I doing this? I know I'm going for a reason. There was, never, there was never a question of like, do I really need to go on this trip? I knew God brought me to this trip for a reason, but I had no clue what that reason was because I knew my skill set and I knew it really didn't line up with anything that the trip was going to be doing uh, at first glance. And so I worked in the pharmacy and uh, you have a picture of us in the pharmacy. And at any given moment, there were six to seven people in the pharmacy. And five or six of them would be having very intelligent conversations like, okay, I'm diagnosing this. I know we don't have this medicine. How can we treat it with a combination of what we do have? What can we do to physically care for this person and improve that? And I'm listening to them like, man, these people are brilliant. And then there was one person who was going, huh, Flintstone vitamins. I wonder why they never made Jetson vitamins. Like, remember the kid's song, one of these things is not like the others? Right? Then there was me in the corner who was qualified for the pharmacy because, and I quote, can you count to 30? Uh, and so there were definitely moments where I was like, okay, God, what, what's going on? Why, why am I here? And especially, honestly, even after the first day of pharmacy, uh, even after the first day of working, I was like, okay, what, what am I doing in this in-between times? And then as we started to get into the trip and as the team started to get more comfortable with me and the patients started to get more comfortable with us, I started getting pulled into more conversations of, hey, pastor, can you just come pray with this patient? Can you just, they're going through a rough time. They're going through something brutal. Can you just come pray with them or talk to them? Some of our team started to, I mean, guys, when you're thrust out of your comfort zone into a physically exhausting environment, a mentally exhausting environment, some of our team just started to grab me and be like, Pastor, can I just talk to you for five minutes? I was like, oh, okay, this is why I'm here. There was one lady, Carmen, a very sweet, wonderful lady, grandmotherly age. And one of our team members came and got me and they were like, hey, can you, can you just come talk to Carmen? She's just, she's going through it. And so this team member and I sat down with a translator and we talked to Carmen and she was just going through it. And so we talked and we prayed. And then, you know, our team member had to go back and, and go back to the eye clinic. The translator had to go and help triage. And I had been holding Carmen's hand while we prayed. I asked if I could hold her hand while we prayed. And when our, when the, when our team member left, when the, the translator left, you know, I kind of got up to go and Carmen just wouldn't let go of my hand. And so I just sat next to Carmen and held her hand for five minutes. We didn't say a word. There was no translator. And I knew engrapadora, which is Spanish for stapler. And <laughs> that doesn't do a whole lot when you're suffering. And so I just sat and I just held Carmen's hand. And we just kind of sat there and she cried a little bit. And then she put her head on my shoulder. And I said, Dios te bendiga. God bless you. And after about five minutes, she just squeezed my hand and hugged me and then got up and moved on, right? It wasn't the glamorous stuff. But what God reminded me of, what I think Scripture reminds us of, we always have to come back to Scripture. You guys know this. You know this about me. You know I love saturating with Scripture. 
what God reminded me of is we all have different roles to play, and that's a good thing. So it's a waste of time to say, well, I don't have the same skill set as somebody else, so I don't have anything to offer. No, the question is, okay, what skill set do I have that God can use for his glory? Consider these passages, Romans 12, 4 to 8. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. I mean, that one verse. One body, many members, we don't all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Consider 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and 11. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. As He wills. See, the Holy Spirit, as God, assembles the church as He wills, and He gifts the members of the church differently as He wills. It is by God's will and design that we are brought together in a body with different skills to fill different roles. So it's nothing to be ashamed of or feel bad about that we have a different skill set. I can't lead music. I can't preach. I can't run the soundboard. I can't do the tech stuff. I can't fix the boilers. That's embarrassing. No, that's by holy design. This is God's point for the church that we would need one another and be part of the body together. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16 and 25. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. In 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, as each have received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're designed to have different gifts. We're designed to fill different roles so that the body comes together and glorifies Christ. Because the trip wasn't about Sam. The trip wasn't about our providers. It wasn't about our nurses. It wasn't about our translators. The church can't be about any one individual. The church can't be about any one team. It must be for the glory of Christ and Christ alone. So the question we really need to ask ourselves is, okay, what role am I designed for? What role am I called to? I promise you have one. Because the Holy Spirit has willed to gift differently. So that's what we need to be trying to figure out. And look, this might take time. This is my journal from 2017 through about 2019. 
And if you look at the tabs, I randomly, I mean, not randomly in hindsight, but this week I thought randomly, I, I pulled my journal off and I just reread it. If you journal, I encourage you to be in the habit of rereading it. And as I was prepping this, God had me reread this for a reason. You know when the first time I wrote down, Lord, I think I'm called into ministry, I think I'm not in the job I'm supposed to be in? Fall of 2017. And if you look through these tabbed parts, I won't read it all and bore you guys with my ramblings and musings. But if you look through my journal, you see that for three years, I grappled with, God, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something differently. What's that look like? Help me get ready for this. There are some of the entries where I'm like, God, I am bored out of my mind in my current job. I can't do this anymore. Give me patience. I know your timing is right. I just don't see it. Roles may take time to develop. If you feel like you don't know your role in the church, be patient. Please be patient. Trust. Trust that God has something for you. If you want help figuring it out, come talk to us. We'll sit down. We'll figure out what are you gifted at? What are you passionate about? What makes your heart beat? But it might take time, and that's okay. See, we want everything now. We want to know right away. But sometimes God has to do working on us in the process. And so this trip reminded me that we all have a role. It might not be immediately apparent, but it doesn't mean it's not there. And that was incredibly encouraging to me, and I think meaningful for us all. The second reminder that God gave me is that, you know, details might not look exactly like we thought. The process might change, but the end goal doesn't. The mission doesn't change. The why doesn't change. So this was our triage area. Uh, how many of you have been into a hospital or a doctor's office? Yeah? What do you, you walk in, there's a check-in desk, and then what? A bunch of different rooms, right? You don't show up and it's just like a parking lot with a bunch of folding chairs, and you're sitting two feet away from other patients while the exam is, like while you're being triaged. HIPAA would have a field day with that, right? This was our triage area. It was just kind of an empty space in the school property, the, the church property where we were. There was a tent for shade, there were chairs, but this is what the team had. And so this is what the team made work. Now, did the mission of providing care for the patients change? No. Did the questions that the nurses and the providers were asking, the did that change? No. But this is what they had. So this is what they went with. Uh, actually, the guy in that picture right there, Devin, Devin was on our team. And the one day we got a chance to do some home care visits in the town. And so a smaller group of us went into the town to provide some home care visits. And we were talking to the patients. We always talked about their faith, what they believed in as we we're providing the care. And the one guy gave some answers that kind of indicated he maybe believed, but he had some details, some pretty big details wrong. And so Devin asked me afterwards, as we were walking back to the, to the car, Devin, he was like, okay, so what, you know, what do we do with a guy like that? Or he's got some information, but it seems like he's meant, like, does that change the mission? And I thought that was a fantastic question, right? That Devin's thinking of, 
okay, in this personal application, with these differences, does that change the mission? Because he's, he's maybe missing some pieces, how does that impact the way we approach him? And what I told Devin is there's, there's two answers. One, we had a mission of providing him with medical care. And so I said, that mission doesn't change ever. This wasn't like a, hey, we're here to treat you. Wait, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, okay, now we'll give you medical. No, it was like, we don't care what you believe. We're here to take care of you. It, it doesn't matter what you believe. We're here to care for you. So I told Devin, on one hand, that mission doesn't change. That mission never changes. The mission of sharing the gospel, I was like, yeah, that does change based on what he said. And so based on some of the answers he gave, we kind of tweaked our questions a little bit, right? He said, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Oh, okay, great. So like, you know, you're going to be in heaven. Well, nobody can really know if they're going to be in heaven. Well, let's talk about that for a second, right? And so you react, you respond to where the person is, but the mission is still the same. There was another guy on the trip, Pujan, and he and I were talking the one day and I asked him, you know, hey, how was this trip for you? It was his first trip, first trip like this. And I said, how was this trip for you? And he said, man, this was, this was great. This was exactly what I needed. He was like, I get so busy as a student. I get so busy doing the work of a student that I sometimes forget about the why. And he said, so doing this, providing care for people who really need it, reminded me of the why. And now I've got the energy to go back and pursue being a student even more. I think the church needs to be reminded of the why. I think the church needs to be reminded of the mission. Sunday services are great. I love this. I was so bummed when I wasn't here last week. Like, I really was just crushed. I love gathering with you all. I love praising God together with our voices. I love opening scripture. I love Bible studies. I love work days. I love hanging out with you all. That's not the mission of the church. So if we get so wrapped up in, well, I'm a good Christian, I'm doing the work of a Christian, I'm doing what I'm supposed to as a Christian because I show up to a bunch of stuff. No, we've forgotten the why. We've lost sight of the mission. Jesus sent the church to proclaim the gospel and make disciples of the nations. So I love that Pujan appreciated the trip because it reminded him of the why. And I think from time to time, regularly perhaps, we all need to be reminded of the why. Consider these passages. John 17, 18, this is Jesus speaking. Speaking to the Father. Jesus says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them, my disciples, into the world. I mean, do you, do you realize that? Are you aware of that verse? Jesus says, Lord, as you sent me into the world, I send them into the world. Think about that. We have the same mission Christ did. Some different application. None of us are going to die on a cross for the sins of humanity. We don't have that capacity. We don't have that holiness. But to proclaim good news to the lost, to love people, to care for people, that is why you have been called to be a Christian. 
The Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus says, All power and authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. Go and do something with your faith. Go and take it to the rest of the world. Proclaim my gospel. Reach the lost. Disciple the found. He's given us the why. He's given us the mission. And situations may dictate that maybe the approach changes a little bit. If I'm talking to an atheist or talking to a Jehovah Witness, it might be different conversations. If I'm talking to someone who doesn't believe in God because they suffered terrible tragedy and loss, and it convinced them he's not real and not loving versus someone who's just never taken the time to think about it, my approach might differ. The emphases might differ. But the mission, the why, does not change. Romans 10, 13 to 15, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's deal with that last part. How are they to preach unless they are sent? Well, Jesus did the sending. So that detail of that passage is taken care of. Jesus sent you. He sent me. He sent all of us. That part of the passage is taken care of. So the question is really then, okay, am I going to go? Am I going to preach? Am I going to proclaim the good news? 2 Corinthians 5, 17-20, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. We, we, us, us. Well, maybe Paul's just talking about the other apostles, right? Maybe Paul's just writing about the disciples. I mean, look, Sam, all I'm saying is we call you pastor. We don't call me pastor. It's your job to preach. You're the one who's to proclaim. Okay, let's look at Acts 8. Acts 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of Stephen's execution. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Leadership stays in Jerusalem. The rest of the church gets scattered. Acts 8, verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. The gospel advances best. The church fulfills its mission best. The church lives as the church is supposed to best when every man, woman, and child takes personal responsibility for the advancement of Jesus' kingdom. 
the church does what it's supposed to when those who were scattered preach the word. Wherever God has placed you, that's your evangelism field. Your neighborhood, your workplace, the sports teams your kids are on, the friends you hang out with, that is your field to proclaim the gospel. That's our mission. That's our why. So look, enjoy this stuff. Appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. Scripture is clear. In Hebrews it says, do not neglect gathering together. The church should gather together. The church should invest in one another. The church should build deeper relationships with one another. We should teach one another, encourage one another, celebrate together. But that's not the whole picture of the why. That's not the whole picture of the mission of the church. It's to proclaim the gospel. This is our responsibility. Let's own it. And then finally, what was the final reminder God gave me? So I mentioned I was crushed to not be here last week because uh, uh, I love you guys. I love gathering as a body. The plan was to be here. The plan was I was going to wake up in my bed Sunday morning and I was going to be at church on Sunday, at our church service Sunday. Here's where I woke up Sunday morning. Uh, airport floor. And this may shock you. I can see on your faces this is going to surprise you. Uh, cold tiles and very bright lights on 24-7, not conducive to great sleep. And this came at the end of a long, physically, mentally, emotionally exhausting trip. Uh, the, the team members who are here this morning are nodding very painfully. Um, this was rough. This was hard. This was a group of people who had given their everything in very different conditions from what they're used to for seven days. And then we had to sleep on tile. Uh, and so we were, we were pretty depleted at this point. This was, this was not fun. But in the 24, 36 hours, whatever it was, I, I think I've just shut it out of my brain. In the time that we were delayed there in Miami, I had a couple great conversations with people. I had some very real, deep, meaningful conversations with people about significant parts of life, significant questions in life. If our flight would have been on time, if everything would have gone according to plan, we wouldn't have been together. Those conversations wouldn't have happened. And so what God reminded me is that he's always working. And just because we might be in a moment that we don't like, doesn't mean that God's not doing something in it. He reminded me that I don't know what he might be doing in the situations I wish were different. Did I want to be in my bed next to my wife seeing my daughter? Yes, absolutely. But if I would have been, I wouldn't have had those conversations. Consider these verses, these passages. Genesis 45, 4-8. So Joseph said to his brothers, Joseph, why is Joseph famous? Because everyone in his life betrayed him. Literally. His brothers sold him into slavery. So he does well, even as a slave, gets promoted. Then the household he gets promoted in lies about him, betrays him. He winds up in jail. 
He interprets a guy's dream. He says, hey, remember me when you get out of jail? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then it says, and three years later. I mean, like, everyone in Joseph's life does him wrong. Then we get to the end of Joseph's story, where we see that he's risen up even from this as God has used him. And he correctly interpreted a dream that famine was coming. And he saved the whole nation of Egypt. And not just that, but the surrounding nations came to him during this famine. Genesis 45, So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in these land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will neither be plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Sold into slavery by family, lied about when he had done nothing but work well, forgotten and left in prison. I mean... If I'm Joseph, I'd be pretty tempted to be like, okay, God, can't we turn things around at some point? He couldn't have known what God was doing. When we were down in the Dominican Republic in Juan Tomas, we, we spent the week studying the book of Jonah as a team. Listen to these verses in Jonah 1, starting in verse 4. But the Lord, pay attention to the details. I'm going to pause and I'm going to enunciate specific details to pay attention to. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners, the sailors, then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. These were professional sailors, and they thought they were going to die in this storm. So this wasn't mild waves. Th these were professional sailors, and they were like, yep, our lives are over. So they all cry out to their own God for salvation. Verse 15, So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The question I asked the team when we, when we studied chapter 1 was, what if the whole point of Jonah disobeying and running away on that ship was so that God could save an entire ship full of people? We don't know what God might be doing in the moments we don't like, the moments that aren't emotionally enjoyable, the moments that are frustrating, the moments that are difficult. You think Jonah was thrilled at being thrown over in the middle of a storm? Like, ha I crossed off my bucket list. No. We don't know what God's doing. Consider Acts 16, starting in verse 19. When her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, so Paul and Silas have just, they've done their thing, they've preached the gospel, They've, uh, they cast an evil spirit out of a girl who was used to tell fortunes. And so now the owners of this girl are ticked. 
When the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. He brought them into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. What if the whole reason that Paul and Silas were beaten and imprisoned was so that this guy and his family could get saved? We don't know what God might be doing in the hard times. But that doesn't mean he's not doing something. So we can either wallow in the hard times. And look, we already talked about Psalms of Lament. We talked about how emotionally healthy people can acknowledge pain. They can acknowledge pain. They can acknowledge grief. They can acknowledge suffering. But emotionally healthy people don't stay there. They don't wallow in it. They don't spiral into cynicism or bitterness. So what God reminded me on the airport floor, what God reminded me when we finally have our flight out and we're sitting in the waiting room and there's four desks of American airline flights and every other American airline flight is taking off just fine, including another one to the exact same destination we were going to, and they say, oh, yours has been delayed by another three hours because of weather. God reminded me, I don't know what he's doing in that time. What if the whole point of it was just to teach me patience? Does he not have that right? Does he not have that sovereign control? I'm grateful for the reminder. I wasn't so grateful Monday morning at 4 a.m., but I'm grateful for the reminder. This is what God used a week in Juan Tomas to remind me of. I think there are reminders that we all need from time to time. Reminders of truths that he's laid out in his word. Reminder of truths that he's taught us from the beginning. So the question is, are we going to remember them or not? This week, as we consider these things, we're, we're going to shift it up a little bit. Uh, we're adding a new component into this. I was reading a book recently on the psychology of memory, uh, on the psychology of knowing and learning and growing. And the author made this very telling observation that we have really done our best to eliminate the need for memory. When I was a kid, I knew 20 phone numbers easily, right? I mean, think about this. How many phone numbers did you used to know? I had all my friends, I had their parents' cell phone, I had my parents' phone. Now, I'm not, I know two cell phone numbers, 
and one of them's mine, so that doesn't do a whole lot of good. Right? Like, if I ever need to call myself from not my phone, I guess I'm okay. We struggle with memory. One of the greatest ways we internalize things, unfortunately, is through memory. So what we're going to do as we move forward, just to switch things up and to try and grow in this, right? The, the Bible says, I've hidden your word in my heart. I have internalized your word. I have made it an integral part of my life. I know it. So as a church, we're going to do our best to increase in memory. So instead of reading three or four chapters, we're going to shrink the reading we do a bit. But we're going to add in a memory verse each week. All right? I, I don't like it when I talk to people and they're like, oh, I just can't memorize scripture. Yeah, you can. Sure you can. There's plenty of stuff that we memorize. How many of you need to pull out the manual at your job every day? No. You've internalized the process. You've internalized the work you do. Oh my goodness. You should have heard the medical team rattling off the names of these medicines that I'm convinced they were just making up. Sam, can you grab me 400 milliliters of noxofloxaline? I'm like, what? you speaking English? Right? They've memorized all these names. So I know we can memorize. The question is, are we going to pursue it? Are we going to apply it? Are we going to go after it? So this week, we're going to memorize Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, an incredible, incredible verse. Jesus speaking to his apostles, and he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We've talked about every believer is filled with the Holy Spirit. So that means Jesus was saying, Hey, you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, will receive power to what? To be my witness. So let's memorize Acts 1.8. Let's read 1 Corinthians 12, and let's read Acts 8, 26 to 40. Just a small passage in Acts 8, and one chapter in 1 Corinthians. Then let's memorize Acts 1, 8, so that it becomes a part of us. So that when we wake up, we're thinking, okay, am I a witness in Jerusalem today? Am I a witness in Judea and Samaria today? What does that look like in my life? For prayer, as we pray through these things, we'll continue to apply the Acts model. How do these reminders, how do these passages lead me to praise God, to confess to God, to thank God, to make requests of God? And then the reflection is simple. I mean, it's complex. It's a question I can't answer for you. It's a question you're going to have to answer for yourself. Am I living on mission? Have I forgotten the why? Am I content with showing up at church on Sunday morning and Bible mm -hmm. study on a weeknight and telling myself that that's the extent of Christian life? As long as I'm good, I'm good. I hope somebody tells the lost world, it's just not going to be me. Are you living on mission? Let's be a church that lives on mission. Let's be a church that remembers these truths and allows them to shape our lives. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for how good you are to us. We thank you that you have designed roles for us within the church. You have designed roles for us within life. You have placed us in, in neighborhoods and in jobs. You have placed us in social circles very deliberately. And you have gifted us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We thank you for these things. 
We praise you for your infinite wisdom in assembling these things. Lord, we confess that we don't always remember the mission. We don't always remember the why. We thank you for your patience with us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would burden us for the lost, that you would burden us for the purpose of the church, that you would burden us for the glory of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.